We both like Keanu. Well, who doesn't like Keanu? In? What did it? Yeah. What What has made him a cult hero again? John Wick. Yeah, I think so too. People like success at the end of the day. And he's just nice. Yeah, he seems like a good dude. Yeah, in a world where like <laughs> people's male heroes are being torn down and hey, maybe don't yeah. have male heroes, uh, he's nice. You better be recording this. This is all intro gold. Yeah, oh, of uh, course. No place to hide. No place to run. No place to run. The mutant has now begun. Welcome back to EnterTheRealWorld.com. This is episode 17 of Mike and Matt's Excellent Adventures, and my name is Matt Waters. I'm joined by Mike Thomas. Mike, before we start this, can you please confirm for me, no matter what happens here, we are still going to be friends after this, and we're still going to cover Legion Series 3? I cannot confirm that. Right. I, uh, I, I, did, not, I did not negotiate with terrorists. Um, <laughs> insert I... playful intro talk about John Wick 3. <laughs> You are the terrorist. You make me do these things. Well, honestly, if I had control of this, and I and by control I mean was willing to do any work in the editing process whatsoever, mm-hmm. you have no idea how much splicing I would do of uh, previous first class film clips. But it's okay. I That's love you okay. too much to ever ask you to do that. Thank you. Well, here we what go. What are we then. doing today, Matt? We're going to do the Dark Phoenix. It's not called X Men: The Dark Phoenix in North America. That that title was stripped of it. But in my uh, part of the world, it was X Men: Dark Phoenix. Controversial to say the least. And you might. I have to say, let's let's put aside outside okay. um, issues with the film until the end. I'd say. I'd say, yeah, audience, should we have done this over before we started airing? Yes. But um, it's tr- it's charming to see how the sausage is made. <laughs> no, one, no one thinks that, but sure, go ahead. Let's dive into Dark Phoenix. <laughs> okay. All right, so the first class story of films at the end of the day, for better or worse, uh, I'll say that, has always <laughs> been about, at the end, Charles, Eric, and Raven. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Raven decision has always obviously been controversial because Jennifer Lawrence is has always been sleepwalking through these films, at least since the first one. And also just, it seemed kind of screwy to even hint at the idea that Mystique was such a critical part of Charles's past, but whatever. Now, theoretically, uh, we knew how all their stories played out because of the original X-Men films Mm -hmm. and that it was going to add badly for all of them and the people they cared about, like as characters. Yes. Then in theory, the events of Days of Future Past allowed Charles, Eric, and Raven to go on a better path. It seemed like it was working in, in the little prologue of Apocalypse before the apocalypse started. Charles, at the height of his power, he's an educator, he's loving life, he's got flowing locks, he, there's sunlight in every room he's in, it's great. <laughs> Raven uh, is probably on a truer path to herself than she was in the previous two films. In First Class, she was far too much in Charles' shadow. In Days of Future Past, she was probably too much of the person Eric was pushing her to be. And here, she's a little bit more of an anarchist, doing whatever she wants, fighting on the margins uh, for those who can't fight for themselves. And Eric, recognizing that there was something deep inside of him that he could not that could not be trusted to deal with pain and loss, had completely removed himself from society. So they're all at peace at the, at the beginning of Apocalypse. Days of Future Past has worked. The world is better. Sure. But the, days, the events of Days of Future Past has also brought forth, literally, the Apocalypse. Not the Apocalypse for the world, despite that film's boring MCU stakes. It was actually the apocalypse of these characters, Matthew. It wasn't just the world. It was the characters whose lives were destroyed. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Everything may... It's somewhat odd, because I did not pick up on it at the time at all when watching that film. Because everything at the end of that film kind of seems like there's like this 
peace or at least temporary peace going on. Like everything seems kind of fine. Uh, but it's now clear that the destruction they, they sought to prevent in days of future past has just manifested itself in brand new ways. Enter the Dark Phoenix. I think this is probably where you and I are going to diverge quite a bit. Oh, yes. Uh, one of the most startling things about the Dark Phoenix is that the music establishes right away that despite the whatever mistakes may have happened in the past films or, and would be made again in this film, this is going to be a completely different film in very significant ways. There's a crispness to the music and the pacing right from the start that is unusual to say the least for X-Men. And there's this total sense of impending doom. These are tonal beats that have not been played before in X-Men films in any uh, real substantive way. And immediately stood out on first watch and not for, and then really on the second watch. We then get the the cut to see Charles Xavier, once again, at the aforementioned peak of his powers and at the moment uh, of his lowest as a person. He understands that hope, quote unquote, is the key to helping others. Matt, insert the scene where Patrick Stewart type teaches James McAvoy about hope. Thanks, Matt. You are sending me all these audio clips afterwards or I'm not doing this. I think it's more charming if we just leave in me asking for them and then you not doing it, obviously. All right. Uh, As we know, though, from earlier films, uh, Charles, with both of with his ego and power and self-righteousness, I kind of cannot help himself. Uh, It's just a toxic combination of personality and power. He thinks he knows what is best for others, and he cannot help himself uh, in this regard when he is tempted. Very similarly to how Eric cannot help himself towards violence uh, when he feels threatened or wronged in any way. Uh, He makes the fatal mistake here in our prologue. And what I think is very objectively kind of a lovely prologue sequence with him and uh, baby Jean Grey, or not toddler, but uh, young child Jean Grey. Sure. He decides in this moment, or we learn later on he decides in this moment, uh, to close off the trauma and emotions that Jean needed to work through in the aftermath of killing her mother. In this moment, uh, Charles has tragically sealed all their fates for the doom that the music has clued us into is coming. If you recall, there was a, a big breakthrough in Days of Future Past for Charles. The first time he confronts uh, telepathically Raven in the airport, he stupidly tells her, you have to come home. Raven immediately resents Charles' insinuation that he can tell her what to do, and that whole thing falls apart. All right, so this is very similar to that fatal uh, error in Charles' personality. It's a perfect dynamic to establish the current situation for the characters and remind us why our ostensible hero of this first-class films is doomed for failure. From there, we only see more of the worst of Charles. Charles' worst qualities have been tapped into in the current situation for mutants in the early 90s. Despite what all their hair and body may tell you, 10 years have passed once again uh, <laughs> in this film. Yeah. Why these characters don't age at all is a mystery that only Simon Kinberg and uh, child rapist Brian Singer can solve. Mm-hmm. But we don't need to dwell on that too much. Right, uh, mutants are now, quote-unquote, accepted based on how Charles has position the x-men as this like uber rescue team force he has a direct line to the president yes (laughs) has he has a literally off he has a phone call away from the president at all times uh he can help humanity whenever they need we get to see this status play off in a in one of the four no one of the five main there's about five action scenes in this film and the first one is a rescue mission that the uh x-men go on to save humans in space it's probably the least inspired action scene in the film, but uh, the big thing is the consequences of Charles' rash decision to send a group of people who are not astronauts, not trained for this, don't possibly have the right equipment for it, and certainly don't have spacesuits for it. I don't know what that was all about. And it leads to Jean Grey. When Charles says Jean can do it, she pushes Jean to go out and save everybody. 
Jean uh, consumes the cosmic force that, for the sake of convenience, we'll just call the Phoenix from here on out, even though I don't think it's ever really called that. So this leads to Raven calling Charles out on his fucking bullshit, as Charles is always doing. Charles says this is the only way mutants can be accepted. But once again, this is a tragic error for Charles. He is so hellbound on being accepted by the institutions and the ruling class of this country that he is forced immune to actually never truly be free. They are now just in a cage of their own making. Ray recognizes that Charles is also forcing Jean to do things in ways that are very reminiscent of the way in which he, she was forced to do things, for, or well, not forced to do things by Charles, but the way she felt cornered and pigeonholed by Charles, etc., 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 Raven, who at one point had escaped from this spell, has clearly uh, been back in the in the fold with Charles for too long, and she is now where whatever peace she may have found before the apocalypse, her apocalypse has uh, come now, mm-hmm. literally in some ways. Uh-huh. Despite recognizing all the flaws and mistakes Charles makes, she makes a fatal mistake. So she's the one who actually has to confront Jean in this moment when Jean's powers start exploding and yada yada yada. Cop cars are flipping like it's X Men United. All sorts of things. Raven is the one that tries to get Jean to calm down. and But unfortunately, Raven has been under Charles's thumb for too long. And what does Raven do in this moment? She tells Jean what she has to do. Just like Charles had once told Raven what she has to do. Only this time, Raven can't walk away from a telepathic imagery of Charles. And instead, the alien life force within Jean causes her to last out and kills Raven in the process. While Raven had forgot herself and paid for it, as all people do in films and stories when they forget who they truly are. It may have seemed like a moment for growth for Charles, because Charles had actually had the option to shut down Raven, and he could have, I mean, excuse me, could have shut down Jean. But instead, though, he wanted Raven to give it her own try. On the surface, this seems like a positive set for Charles and not trying to just control everything himself. But he actually, in this moment, had done that exact same thing to somebody else, because Hank was about to take down Jean and save Raven through his own volition, and instead, Charles shut him down, and then he wakes up to discover that not only was he shut down clearly, but uh, that the person he loves most has been uh, fatally impaled by wooden spikes in what is a pretty decent death scene, all things considered, mostly because Raven is trying to catch her breath in camp, and it's kind of scary. So obviously, Charles is making the same mistakes he's always been making as a person, and everyone is fucking paying for it. Hence the impending sense of doom. It should be noted, though, uh, this was kind of a weird action scene at this point. This did not feel like a typical action scene for an X-Men movie. It was kind of a tease of what's to come. It was far more... It just kind of felt a little bit more dangerous. Like, people... I think the benefit of practical sets for people running into things, especially wood, makes for big, loud explosions. It seems dangerous. So... We'll see more of that to come. From there, the movie shifts. This is obviously the big turning point for the movie. Earlier, Charles kind of like makes notes of the fact that Jean has been like reduced to being like all desire as a result of being in this cosmic force. And that kind of just describes what everyone goes through as a result of this death here. Everyone has kind of just been reduced to these like very animal instincts of desire and letting their emotions control them. And it's kind of manifesting itself throughout the rest of the film. Hank, who has been under Charles' spell longer than anyone, has bought in more than anyone. He, there was no slow break for him like there would be for Raven or like any other character. He's the true believer in Charles if there ever was one, and this pushes him over the edge. I think deeper, probably more importantly than any love he may have felt for Raven, is that Raven was actually the person who way back when is the person who's like, you need to be yourself. There's no point in hiding from this any longer. Somewhat ironic given that the blue shapeshifter is one telling everyone to be themselves. Hank blames Charles for, Charles for Raven's death and breaks from him. 
trials is starting to spiral at this point. Uh, they don't spend a lot of time on this, but they do. It's very notable throughout the movie. Whenever Charles is consuming a substance, it is always alcohol. The institutions he has clung to have abandoned him. His phone call, his direct line to the president is cut off from him. And meanwhile, Hank has gone somewhere else. He has chosen a different path, and that path is with Eric. You know, this is where the liter- this is where the literature element comes in. What's mm-hmm. Eric drinking while Charles is drinking liquor all the time? Eric's drinking tea. That's right. Of course. And while tea might just be in fact dirty water, it is still much better for you than liquor. Yes, heavy <laughs> shots at the Brits. Heavy <laughs> shots, very much deserved. Um, China. <laughs> Sorry, but okay. Also, China. Also, the tea. Okay. It's just dirty water. India. But it is, in fact, better for you than liquor. Did I? Eric, clearly. It's symbolism, people. Okay. Symbolism is okay. very important. Anyway, uh, Eric had uh, rejected Jean's pleas for help. He recognized the danger that he she was to his people on what I'm just going to call Island M, since asteroids weren't in the budget. It's um, Genosha. Is it Genosha? He was, he was in charge of Genosha? Yeah. I thought Genosha was something else. No, that's an island. Yeah, yeah. Well, I knew Genosha was an island, but I thought Genosha Island was something else. Okay, I... You're better with the lore than I am. Eric had removed himself from this unfair society that just brought out the worst in himself. Uh, and once again, temptation has come to his door and he has, just like everybody else, been running away from trauma and emotions his entire life and he has no idea what to do with it. And once again, he has fallen back into the path of violence. Uh, the dynamics established, Hank and Eric are going to take out Gene. Charles meets them with Scott. They both bring, they both sides bring their lackeys. Because that is all they are treated as. That's all they will be referred to as. You know, if Hank and Raven and Gene represent the failures of Charles, Scott somehow represents a success. He's clung to this hope and stilled him by Charles, you know, blah, 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 reject all his life, even though he's really good looking before he had powers, whatever. Uh, the school and Gene represent the better way. So Scott is still the true believer. He's still the only true believer Charles has left. What follows is simply, as far as I'm concerned, uh, by far the best action scene in X-Men history for close how many years has been? almost 20, 20 years of wondering what it's actually going to look like to see X-Men do powers to each other on a big screen. <laughs> it just took how many films? 11 films? 11 films for them to figure it out. I love this scene. This is everything I want from an action scene, especially one involving powers. Everyone is just emotionally reacting to this emotional uh, damage they've experienced. There's a genuine sense of danger as people are not really carefully planning out what they're doing and just kind of reacting and going. We care. I mean, to me, this work, the scene works on so many levels, but if we really want to break it down, um, it's just like we care about both sides. We understand where both sides are coming from. There's not an ator- there's not over-reliance on computer effects to the extent that the powers allow them to not have to use special effects. Uh, they somehow find a way to make Charles work in an action scene, which I thought was literally impossible because I'm not creative enough. We don't want any of these people to die and they don't really want to kill each other, but they're just so recklessly fighting that it seems like something can happen by accident. It's genuinely tense and terrifying, and um, probably the only mistake is that it actually does not actually lead to any serious damage. I was kind of like I was kind of thinking about like what could they have done in this scene if they didn't want to kill anybody here? I'm like I think B should just like lost an arm, like Scott accidentally shoots off his arm or something. I, I don't know. I think like Scott finally because like Scott theoretically could control how much his blast is going. They've never really been clear on how this works. But like if like Scott just like shot off Beast's arm, I think that would've been really cool. Anyway, nonetheless, this leads results in Gene all the mutants being captured by the cops. The world is turned on the mutants for some reason. They're being transported on an armored train. The train gets attacked by the body snatcher aliens that are strictly at the margin of the story, and they are trying to use this Phoenix to restore their alien race. Who cares? The resulting mutants versus alien fight is once again to me incredibly exciting. 
I don't know why it took 11 films to figure out that like the mutants actually using their powers against things and it just needs to be staged well why this was so hard but they finally figured it out good for them I think probably my favorite bits in this were Nightcrawler discovering like that hatred inside of him. It's kind of shitty that it was an unearned character moment because he didn't really have a character in the first his first two films by Cody Smith McPhee. But it was still like his little berserker mode moment was really cool. And then um, Eric picking up all the guns to fire Jessica Chastain was a cool full circle moment uh, that uh, was a, got a pop from the crowd in the theater to say the least. Uh, then leads to the final showdown. Gene destroys the aliens one by one. For some reason, there was a ton of slow motion in this movie. I don't know why. That didn't really fit at all with everything else. I thought that was that was a clear error. And then uh, she realizes the only way to save everyone is to fully embrace the phoenix, uh, her emotions, and then not so subtle hint from the movie, and take it away from the planet. The tragedy of Charles Xavier, aka the four first class films, concludes by him rather poetically following the path set by Eric. He too now has has experienced all the trauma that Eric had in a much more condensed version of life, and he too cannot be trusted with the power he possesses. He removes himself from the school, from society, and he and Eric are left playing alone, are left alone playing chess. But the phoenix in the sky tells these people have never actually confronted and dealt with all the damage in their lives, and they will simply cycle back and make all the mistakes again. You may respond. It's a very boring movie, and none of the emotional beats work. It's fucking insane. It's so boring. Boring. It's dull. It's it's really dull. <laughs> like it's slow and plodding and slow. Yes, it's very slow. It is. Oh my god! Okay. I just don't okay. get it. Okay, make your case. It's slow. Make your case. It's slow. Not a lot happens until people start dying, and then not a lot happens again until more people die. And the scenes where people die aren't that good. All right. Agree or disagree? Okay. So right, you're remaking ostensibly the Last Stand, which is you know, abhorred by people, or you're retelling the Dark Phoenix saga, whatever. What is this movie bringing to the table, really, that The Last Stand didn't attempt to do? Like, a, a higher standard of acting and directing and visual effects, fine. But in terms of big picture, like, philosophical questions and musings and character beats and all that sort of stuff, what is this really bringing to the table that's new? Like, why did we remake this if we're not going to do anything profound with it this time? What it's just, To me, it's just a more competently shot version of The Last Stand, because it's revisiting a lot of the same beats, bizarrely. Like, the middle of the, of the film features a house in the suburbs... And a big fight on the streets, and then instead of Charles dying, it's Mystique. And the dusting happening at the end. And, I don't know, like, there's a... To me, at least, it seemed like there were a shocking number of, like, oh, this is a lot like you did it the first time. And, like, you know, Kimberg wrote... That's how he got on this franchise. He wrote The Last Stand. At the time, he was like, oh, this is great. Like, the audio commentary, if you listen to it, he is gushing with praise about this thing he wrote. And then after that, he's like... I think we could have done it better. So he gets to do it, and I just, I don't think it's significantly, I, I don't know why we bothered, is, it would be one of the things I would say about it. Okay, but they did bother, so what about it actually? I, I, I don't disagree that, I don't understand why they decided to remake The Dark Phoenix, but okay. let's fo- remember, let's focus on the actual film. Sure, okay, What fine. in the film is slow? What, just slow? Or just, or what are my problems? Describe what you mean by slow, because I don't, objectively speaking, it's I an hour and 45 I was throughout minute. most of it. So you were bored. What about did you find bored? None of the emotional beats were working for me. I am tired of this trio of big actors 
my one of my biggest criticisms against it is they are trading so heavily on past relationships between particularly these three and if you want to throw beast in there as well you can at the expense of everyone new this film is called the dark phoenix it's about jean gray she is robbed of all agency really like she is a pawn of the alien lady and then she's literally unconscious for most of the end and it's like you know this is a movie about jean and like they try. They give you that prologue at the beginning. I think the prologue is one of the best things in the movie. I was... Agreed. I think the first thing I told you about the movie was that I, I after that scene, I was like, I'm pretty sure the best version of this movie is a 90-minute story with just these two people. But probably. And I'd be down for that. And, like, before I'd seen it, I was like, why should I care about Gene? Because, the you know, in Apocalypse, they introduced this new generation. Like, you got Gene and Scott and Quicksilver joins in and Storm is introduced and Nightcrawler and Jubilee vanishes and all this stuff. They didn't have enough scenes in Apocalypse and, you know, they shot them and cut them. And I would say that in both Apocalypse and this movie, any development they could give to these kids or anything they could do to make you give a shit about these kids, any screen time these kids could have had, comes at the expense of doing more with your, like, big sexy three actors, you know? And, like, Jennifer Lawrence has visibly been bored for a long time and her dying so quickly it's like okay there you go you got what you wanted i think it wasn't one of your complaints is that nothing to you felt like it happened before your death you just said it happened very quickly i just mean i'm trying to clarify i'm trying to clarify i think you're focusing too much on the boring aspect i i do think it's boring that was your first comment yeah i'm i'm trying to give you my big picture here's everything i don't like about it let's not tunnel too down too much down on boring i i think it's full of a lot of small things that are wrong with it that if the movie were more fun and more exciting and were better and less dull i wouldn't give a sh- like the avengers is a great movie that line about you know how much energy did the all father have to spend you know that's dumb as shit i can overlook that because the rest of that movie is fucking great when this movie is either boring or rote or <laughs> just plodding along i'm far less inclined to forgive you for tiny things dumb shit like mystique criticizing the x-men name that she came up with like that you should call them the x-women because we're the ones doing all the saving around here that is such a toothless line of him trying to like wait wait is the person who's trying to who thinks that the greatest moment in feminism history is the the female scene in the avengers is coming for that come on i didn't say it was the greatest scene in the history i think it's a great moment yeah I, I, I'm exaggerating for effect. Do you think okay. that was a great moment? Like there, it was all a good this moment. shit is too. I fist, all this shit is toothless. I fist pumped when they did that, and I was like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, women!" Like I know that on some level it is Hollywood cynicism, but just within this, right? Her to say that is complete bullshit because it doesn't work canonically. Because Miss Jennifer Lawrence Mystique in First Class ran through everyone's nicknames, and she named the X Men in this timeline, which was not changed by Days of Future Past because it's the same past. She came up with that name, and she's criticizing it. That's dumb. That's an inattention to detail, and also it just that line just didn't work for me. It's a dumb corny line. It's yeah. a dumb corny line. Yeah, and I think there's I... a lot of small things like that throughout this movie that if the movie were better, I'd be like, whatever. But because I think it is, my biggest takeaway was like it wasn't embarrassingly bad. I don't think it's the worst X-Men movie. I think the internet is hyperbolic and whenever a movie isn't like the best thing in the world it's like oh this is trash and like cancel all of this shit. It's not as bad as the reviews would have you believe is my opinion but I don't think it's particularly interesting and I'm not willing to 
just roll my eyes and let them do all these little things if they're going to make bigger mistakes. And, like, there are larger mistakes, such as, you know, Jean is the title character. She's the middle of the fucking poster. This is entirely her story. And she has no fucking agency. This is a story about Charles and Eric and Mystique and Beast. And why is it that? And also, it is about those four. But, like, like I said, they're trading so heavily on the on the past. And, like, that Mystique and Beast... Thing. That was cute in first class, but it feels like ever since then, rather than actually develop anything with that relationship, all they've done is just go, huh? Huh? Remember them? And it's like, yes, I, I think that B I think Nicholas Holt is doing his best acting in the franchise when he in the kitchen with Charles, when he like, you know, knocks the bottle off the table and all that, and like he's giving Charles shit. That's fine, but just I don't know. It's just I think they're they're relying so heavily on once per movie we're gonna get Charles and Eric in a room and have them have their big tense reunion and it's like it's become really rote to me and like every time you wheel this trick out of your your bag or you pull this trick out of your bag of tricks it becomes less effective and it's like when Eric says there's always a speech Charles but nobody cares I feel that line has become far more meta than they intended it to be when they wrote that. I don't care about these people anymore because I can tell they don't care anymore. And I don't want to see two thirds of the movie. I don't think anything in McAvoy's and Fassbender's and Holt's performances conveyed they don't care anymore. Especially McAvoy. I think McAvoy is the most. McAvoy is still. McAvoy is the most engaged of all of the big name actors. I think Jessica Chastain should have been politely asked to go home. I think she embarrassed herself with this movie. I think the alien shit adds nothing. I think it was so insignificant. It was a plot device. I don't even. I don't even think it's even worth really mentioning. I'd rather actually have this, where they pretend there's real world stakes and they ignore it for the actual intimate character stuff, than pretend that the the world ending apocalypse that we've seen happen in a million comic book movies is mm-hmm. actually going to happen as if it could happen. Okay, but it is a world ending like plot. Like the phoenix is going to kill everyone is the plot of this movie. Like it's not though. It's not though. The plot it is. is <laughs> plot, plot is secondary to the characterization in the movie. But the characterization but is what tired. What? Like it's tired. No, characterization. but I think you're making a good point though, which is that why are they choosing to tell these character stories? And I think that is the I think that is the divergent point. Is do you care about these characters, or did the characters make you care about them? And I was flabbergasted. I couldn't believe I actually cared about anything. I walked into this movie expecting it to be an embarrassment. I was afraid to watch this movie. Sure. And then scene by scene, I'm just like, okay, I wonder when it's gonna get bad. And I'm like, oh fuck. By, and I think by, and by the time I, I, I couldn't believe that I did not think the movie was bad. And to the point where I felt like I needed to see it a second time. Because was I so shocked by the the not badness of it that I was just enjoying it for that on that level. And this movie is based in genuine humanity in a way that almost nothing is. And I don't, I'm not anti-Disney Marvel in any way. Okay. Beyond just Disney's global takeover and everything we argue about this but i want to stress in the bigger picture of disney buying a giant corporation i am against that i am whenever we have this debate i am purely talking about these superhero properties but that's not that's what i'm talking about i'm saying i I know i just i'm not i'm not not making the i'm not really worried about fox x-men versus disney x-men at this point that'll come it's coming and we'll talk about that okay i'm talking about in general with disney marvel i am disney marvel sets out to do what it says it's going to set out to do and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't really, I'm not really offended by their version of comic book movies uh, beyond some recurring issues with representation here and there, uh, given that they clearly care about representation. This is setting out something to do something different. And I, 
God, it felt like a tonic to not to have a movie that was actually based in character that did not feel like it had to recap what happened, where it just trusted you to actually know what these characters have been through and then to see to actually to have fitting and poetic conclusions. I mean, to actually allow Charles to kind of just be the sh- like to come full circle to who he was when we first met him felt so true to life in such a shockingly real way that and when this everything seems perfect it that seems like everything could be going their way that in reality this was the very thing that would be his undoing was just so pitch perfect i couldn't believe it now i i agree with you though in the concept i if you were to tell me you're going to make what a fourth x-men film after apocalypse really fizzles i would think you would want use this as an opportunity as this is like this is house money do whatever you want with it why you would almost make a direct remake of the last stand is beyond me mm-hmm. why you would choose to focus on the same four characters is once again beyond me that does not make any sense simon kinberg is not a visionary i don't want him involved in anything that i'm going to watch going forward i, I heard he's involved in star wars is that true yeah he That's got, fucking terrifying. He got, he got special thanks for Rogue One and The Force Awakens, I think. That's terrifying. We don't we, we need him very far away from anything that we care about. Mm-hmm. That being said, I am flabbergasted by this movie. It is objectively well made. I think I think you get to the true point though, which is that people don't care about these characters. And I mean I accept that on a like a factual level that people don't care about these characters. We, we don't there's plenty of objective evidence that people do not care about these characters. I, they made me care again in a way that I really was not prepared for. I think one of the things that shocked me was how they were like very... I mean, I think, again, we talked about they played beats that they played before. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of comes to the question of are people making the same mistakes? Are people's trauma affecting them in similar ways? Is that interesting to you or not? And to me, the way it played out was surprisingly nuanced and well done, given that I've been conditioned to believe that we need like three minutes of recap every 10 seconds to figure out why things are happening (laughs) and why people are doing things and actually just to know like hey like what these characters have actually been through is informing how they're responding now and how they feel about things now and what they are doing now and how they're reacting to it was just so refreshing I, Um, i will say that like if the emotional beats are all landing for you that is making all the difference in the world because you're not wrong in that, like, they are attempting to make it character-based, and, like, it is... It's not big, sexy action quips. It is sort of, like, let's deal with these relationships between these yeah. characters that have played out over decades. I just think that it's not that well executed. But if, it, if it's working for you, then... So, th- this is where... I'm just to clarify here. I, I, I de- definitely get that you don't care. And I well, appreciate that people don't care. Yeah. Because I think, like, to a certain extent, Fox has done a terrible job of making people care. I think in, like, 20 years, if people were just watch these four films in a row, mm-hmm. they would probably be like, oh, these are pretty good. I think Fox has done a miserable job of making people care about these movies. And to a large extent, I don't think there was any need to go past Days of Future Past. I think on it, like, I think mm-hmm. that really could have closed the loop on all of X-Men right there. Yeah, Fox. I think Fox... And as much as I want Fox, as, excuse me, as much as I want, not Fox, but I want different visions for comic book movies than one vision of comic book movies. Sure. Fox has never had any idea what to do with this thing. No. They've never understood what they had. Yeah. And we've seen that. We've, doc- we've You and I have documented <laughs> that. 
painstakingly for three years now. Yeah, three. Um, I listened to the Apocalypse episode like you asked me to, and that was I was blown away to see the date stamp on that of like August of 2016. I was like, yeah, dear God, we've been doing it. It was our ninth episode ever. We are coming up to 200 episodes. Yeah. Um, we not- have painstakingly documented. Fox has no idea. They are flying by the sea. They were, excuse me, they were flying by the sea of their pants <laughs> for this thing. Yeah, there is a um, there is a phenomenal amount of just inconsistency between films and like Easter eggs that go, you know, teasers that go nowhere and things yeah. they just retcon and all that. And like, you know, it they doesn't. Are, they've really... been incompetent to the last degree. Yes. They don't deserve X Men sure. any more than Sony doesn't deserve. Uh, right, they right. had no idea what to do with Spider Man either. But what this film was for me is just like, holy shit! I love that there's a different version out there. So we, like, not everything has to be that. Even though there's only one company right right now producing competence on a regular basis that doesn't mean that's the only company that should be producing these things and um i was kind of blown away this this movie felt refreshing in a way that i, I tried like like i did not hate uh what's uh, aquaman for instance right uh, yeah, it's, it, it? yeah yeah it's fine enough it's it's not bad yeah, and that, that was my thing it was fine enough it, it was not really in line with what i want from a movie yeah but it, it was different, at they're, least enough. They're on an upward path, I would say, in uh, general. Yeah, they're like, this DC's on that, I think Awkward Path is the best way to describe it. They are finding themselves as a studio. Yep. Uh, they at least seem to be trying to find themselves. But it doesn't have to be this. Okay. But it, it, it really shouldn't be the same. That's the big thing for me. It okay. really shouldn't be the same. It should be some a unique vision. But I don't think it is radically different. I think I I I agree with you. I can see that. you don't wait. You don't think Dark Phoenix is radically different? Like I I don't no. disagree with Apocalypse. I think Apocalypse, as you really hammered in at the time, was their failed attempt at doing Marvel. You <laughs> yeah. don't think Dark Phoenix is radically different than that? Not radically. I agree with you that they are trying to distinctly different. No, not really. Like I get what they got. Oh, make I, your case. Make your case. I agree that they are on some level attempting to present a story that is about character relationships, but fundamentally it is still, I don't think it is radically different. I don't think it's saying or doing anything that is like, holy shit, this has changed the game and everyone needs to copy this. Like, okay, but it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be doing that to be different. No, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is overwhelmingly different. I, I, it, okay, you know, it, it's let's not remove the adjective from the equations. Do okay. you think it's different? Like, or excuse me, the adverbs. Do you to, think it's different? To specifically what? The entire MCU? To Marvel's general vision for how to produce, to how to produce ex- uh, comic book films. Well, not to be pedantic, but I would ask you to define their general vision then. I, I think... Emphasis on quippiness, green screen, a general lightheartedness. Sure, that... we can't do that forever. I'm not saying you can do that forever. No, no, no I'm, but... I'm, I'm saying I, I agree. We can't do that forever. Like, Marvel, Ben and I will be doing a new episode of Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey soon, talking about the future of the MCU after all this Infinity Saga is done, and a thing that will come up is they do definitely need to change it up. But I don't think this is, like, a grand victory in that cause. But I'm, 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 you're, you're, you're getting away from the question. Do you think that this is different than that? Because not... all I said was, I'm just glad that there was something different that I cared about, and that's what you it, know, you're it's, saying it's not radically different. It still do you felt think a it's... little bit like a generic superhero movie to me. But do you think that's because you didn't care about the characters or that... No, or I because... think they did a lot of generic stuff. Like, so what do you think about it was generic? I don't think that train sequence is that good. They did the Game of Thrones thing where like the, the number of aliens still alive changed constantly. We had our standard, you know, the, the end with her like 
almost dusting everyone and every, I don't know, like all of it just feel, I don't think there's a moment in this that is like all that different. A lot of it plays out like previous X-Men movies. I don't think any of the action scenes are that good. Like, the train one is undeniable. You don't think that the Central Park scene is a good action scene? No, that is a terrible scene. People just are just doing dumb stuff. Like, constantly in that scene. Alright, so Magneto, right, for one thing, to constantly do this trope of Magneto just wants to quietly retire and then he gets dragged back into it, that's bullshit. To constantly... Okay, but wait, wait a second. I thought you were about to explain why you thought that action scene. I, I am, but I just thought okay. this is a good opportunity to say this stuff. To, you know, not commit to making him evil because it's a popular character and just keep having it be like, oh, he does something a bit bad and now he's good again. Like, he killed a lot of people in, in Apocalypse, by the by, and they don't really seem to give a shit about that. So he's got... That is bad in itself. But, like, in that scene, Gene overpowers him. And then, and also in that scene, he has his two new people. Olivia Munn was busy with the Predator. They decided that Ben Foster was garbage. I don't disagree with that. And I'm not criticizing you. I like how you accidentally used the wrong angel actor because of how insignificant that character was. Was it not Ben? Oh, it was um, Hardy. Something Hardy. Okay, right. Young angel, whatever. But yes, that is a good point. The new lady is ostensibly Psylocke. Like, she's psychic and has a knife. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's even worse than that. It's almost the exact same thing as Last Stand. They have a generic, non-white psychic character that does, yes. purely exists for the plot. Yes. And a his... very stupid, stupid non-white character with a very stupid power. Yes, his two lieutenants are people of color. Like, you know, pat yourself on the back for that. But, like, they have no character. Like... Even if you brought Psylocke and Angel back, who weren't great in Apocalypse, uh, Psylocke was better than Angel, neither were great, that would still have meant more than just, here's these two new people, and they get fucking red-shirted on the train, and they have, like, no real character at all. So they're, like, in the middle of this fight with the X-Men, we don't give a shit about them. Magneto, okay, who's been overpowered a, a... by Jean one scene earlier, his plan is to just go face-to-face with Jean and Gene owns him, and it's like, this feels very un-Magneto. Like, this feels like a reversal of whenever Wolverine attacks Magneto and he's just, like, bored of him and just wipes the floor with him. It's like, and the whole, you know, I thought you lived in a school, that sort of thing. It felt stupid for Magneto to confront her one-on-one. But you've got people all over Well, he, he didn't go there to confront her one-on-one. His plan to take her down is to just float up towards her and attempt to kill her with metal while looking her but right the per- in the eye. But the, one of the people he cares about most in the world just died and he's reacting emotionally. Well, does he care about her? Like, they do that as well. Like, you know, you loved her, yes, yes. It's like, where's the evidence of that, really? Like- but we, they, the, uh, the films actually trust us to... To watch how the characters respond to each other. Okay. Not actually, right. we don't let's, need to be. We don't need to be told let's, everything. Let's like, overlook the fact that there is no evidence that he loves her, and just take him at his word when he okay. says it, and the way it's presented. Let's do that. That's fine. Magneto acts dumbly. I think everyone outside acts dumbly. Young Cyclops has the funniest line in the movie when he says, "You know, he drops the one f bomb that X Men get per film." That's a terrible line. And just nothing interesting happens in that entire fight scene, really. Most of the characters are doing stupid things. I just, I can't wrap my head around this. I mean, like, so many of the action scenes we get now are just mindless CGI stuff. Where thousands of people are, it's supposedly a war scene where all of our characters are surviving and in never real danger at any point. How I just don't, I can't wrap my head around somebody not liking this. <laughs> because who I just cares? Can't wrap my head around it. Because who cares? Because what? right? Because but who that's cares? My, see, that's my point, though. 
is that I think that's but the I care about I think... what's happening in that giant 1000 character action scene I know, but, no, no, but that's because of the portal you... scene that comes before it which is like one of the most emotionally affecting things that any superhero movie has ever done with all the characters stepping out the portals but one that's movie. my point Matt is right. that it's not that the scene is bad, it's that you don't care about the characters, which is fine. That yeah. makes sense to and me. And I'm sure but that I think, you do I care. think you're letting that color everything. I'm saying they haven't done enough to make anyone care, and I'm shocked that you care, and I'm pleased for you that you care. I, and did you, you not had a nice listen to me for 15 minutes? They've done they plenty did. to make people care. If I you're don't watching. think they have. It's all right there. It's all based on what the characters have been doing. I think your films. reading of what Kimberg was going for is a very generous take on how this movie is. I think if you just well, take those really bullet points... I don't really care what Kimberg was intending to do. I'm okay. telling you what's there. What I'm saying I, I is you take those bullet I, points in... and that all works, but the execution of all of that with the acting and the action and the look and feel but as we, and all as of as you've that, established sucks. McAvoy is still acting Holt is still acting Fassbender is still acting Fassbender is playing someone who is tired and wants to be left alone and that very much plays in his favour I think because I think he is sick of X-Men like yeah he's a good actor like even when he's not trying he's a good actor but I don't think he's like doing anything That's not. this is not a Lawrence Lawrence is not in the scene right but I don't think Fassbender is like... It's not like, oh man, Fassbender crushed it in this movie. Like I'm not saying that. It's, he, this is not he was there. Sense. And like, Nicholas Holt, like, as I said, I think that's his best scene in all of X-Men, is that table scene with Charles. But overall, like, there's not been a huge amount of Beast in these four movies. There hasn't. That, has, that would make you attach to that character and that, like, any of his relationships with anyone else. Like, you talk about how, like... Beast was Charles's like most loyal soldier and all that. It's like, I guess, but I mean, he he doesn't do anything. And and like the Xavier Magneto thing, like that just feels like them working off a twenty-year-old like zeitgeist relationship of you know Stuart and McKellen and just knowing that they can do that. It's paint by numbers in a lot of ways. A lot of this film, like right, and then we'll have our scene with them playing chess at the end because they played chess those times, like. Like, there's definitely a lot of conventionality here, but it's actually, I mean, like, you can't deny that it's not. Like, I can't sum it all, if I'm summing it all up in 10 minutes of monologuing, that doesn't, like, I'm not reading into anything. I can't, there's eight hours of film. Like, I can't cheat my way through that and add in a bunch of things. It's all there. Even if the McKellen and the Stewart films didn't exist, it would still be there. Yeah, but it's like, when you've got actor, when you've got A-list actors who are between sleepwalking and like doing a decent job, McAvoy is not doing. McAvoy's all in still. Okay. I, I disagree on that. Fine, Ma- we'll we'll put McAvoy to the side. Chastain, embarrassing. Lawrence, but she's bored. She matter. Why? That she doesn't matter in the movie. You're just saying she doesn't matter. She's like a third of the movie. <laughs> she, oh, she is. You need to rewatch it. Then. The I mean, entire I alien plot is garbage. Like, it's not. It's barely the plot. The movie isn't about plot. It's about character. But if you're willing to just overlook a huge chunk of the movie of like the, I'm entire... not overlooking it. Have I said it's a perfect movie? No, I'm but... taking on what your your claims and I'm addressing them. Okay, okay. I'm just saying like I don't think any of this works because I think everyone is sick and tired of. Or well, not everyone. Okay, I think. But no, no. But Matt, that's what I'm trying to focus it back to. I think that is the issue. I think everything else that you're bringing up is a distraction from the core issue that we need to address, which is what is going on with these characters. Because as you said, it's a movie about characters, and it only works for people if they care about the characters. It's a movie called and The Dark Phoenix that is about three don't dudes. people <laughs> care about these characters? I mean, are you really upset about the titles? The title really... Like, that's not the point, though. The like, story the is about... about the Phoenix. Every bit of it. 
if people cared about the characters, though, they would like the movie, regardless of what it's fucking called. I just, I just think your movie is called The Dark Phoenix. The entire plot of the movie is, like, the battle for Jean Grey's soul and trying to prevent this Phoenix Force from killing everyone and trying to stop these aliens from getting the Phoenix Force and killing everyone but and resurrecting their again, race. again, that's not what the movie's really about. That's It's all scenery for what the, the characters are going through, which, again, it's, I, I'm, I feel like trying you're made... to, I'm trying to help you here by saying that that I... is the core fundamental issue. I feel and like that's you're what, making I think that's your, what you need to address. I feel like you're making your own edit of the movie by just take by just putting that to the side and going, yeah, that sucks. I mean, Matt, but here's the here's the meat of I it. I mean, Matt, if we want to go beat by beat on every single comic book movie for the last thirty years, we can explain why they're all stupid. She is the central point of the plot. Even through your lens of characterization, it is about Charles being wrong and like good for them for finally actually taking a firm stance on it and not just having people ask rhetorical questions and then taking the stance of, but he's okay, really. It is about, you know, Magneto's views towards Gene. It is about, you know... Is it about Magneto's views towards Gene, though? Is that really... What's Magneto... Right, tell me about Magneto in this movie. From your perspective, what is great about Magneto here because to me he behaves dumbly I it, and I, I don't think it's a, a, a great art I think it's a side art designed to take advantage of previously established characterization which is that this man who after two films of how he was behaving recognized that the only thing his only recourse was that he could not be trusted with his own emotions and instead of confronting them he just tried to run away and due to their actions twice Things kept forcing, bringing him back to confronting these very emotions, and uh-huh. they re- he reacted exactly how he always reacts when so, confronted with loss, which is by lashing out with what the, the power that he does not deserve to have. Okay, so if it's not about Gene and it's not about the aliens and it's not about Magneto, what's it about? It's about Charles. If you that's, want, I mean, that's why I call this. This is the tra- This whole film series is the tragedy of Charles Xavier. If you want to just look at this movie as just a, the deconstruction not, of Charles Xavier, and not, a, but I'm saying I'm explaining to you what Eric's characterization is. He's not the focus of the movie, but he has a strong base of characterization which they play off of. Yes. Okay, but I I still can, will never ever get away from them calling you know calling the movie the Dark Phoenix and having so- Sophie Turner as the lead actress, and I think she's good. And much better than she was in Apocalypse. And, like, you know, she will go on to bigger, better things, all this. But to relegate her to the sidelines where you have, you know, this one man that's been in every X-Men movie, I think. Maybe not Deadpool 1. And just to have it be about him and rob her of all agency in her story. Well, I don't think it's just about him. I mean, I do think it's about a young girl who has been impacted by the forces trying to right. dictate her life for her. Sure. And but the concluding I... action, the concluding action piece is about her taking control of herself. So to say it's not about her is, I mean, once again, it is. But they're turning X-Men her into are... an object. They're turning her into a MacGuffin, a trophy. I, a, a get I think her they to win. Like... objectify her, and then she takes her own agency back at the end. Maybe. I mean, do you disagree that she doesn't take control at the end as a character? I mean, yes, in the most literal sense, she does. But does that make good on them just turning her into it? Like, we've had all these movies with Jean Grey, and, like, uh-huh. when is her time to be, like, a strong, actualized person who is not just being pulled in eight different directions? And, like, you know, we've had two Dark Phoenixes. We've never had, a you know, just a normal Phoenix. Like, I think X2 is the best Jean Grey execution of the Jean Grey character. 
Yes, definitely. But with this new generation, and like, if you're going to have her, I think it's also important that like her classmates, as it were, are people that we should give a shit about, and that these beats at the end with them on the train, that they should hit home. But like, Storm barely fucking talks. Quicksilver is like bounced. I don't know if they just couldn't get Evan Peters for reshoots or whatever. Um, I, that, that's what I'm assuming it was. It, it was. It wasn't even clear to me until the second watch of like how they they tried to establish that he was that badly hurt yeah. that he couldn't come back. Um, yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, I think a much better version of this movie is, and I think a far more uh, better version is them going to Eric and Eric just saying no. Like, I, I think, think a better version of this movie Eric, does not feature Magneto. Like, what I'm saying is, I think they they tease that direction, and Gene goes to Eric, and that is the last we see Eric. He, this is like he is fully. It closes his loop. It closes his circle. Mm-hmm. He just chooses. He opts not to fall back into what we think he expect him to fall back into. I think the better version of this movie is one that focuses far more on the young kids than it does on the. Same... But I'm saying that's what that would allow them to focus more on the long kids okay. and effectively reject that trope. And they right. So they like as. A, so as opposed to just like actually just not putting him in the movie whatsoever, uh-huh. they actually close his loop in a far more satisfying way, and or they actually close his loop instead of just reopening it, and then <laughs> that gives them more room for everybody else to grow. And like you know, we've got Cyclops and Cyclops and Gene. Are they? They're not together in Apocalypse. It's just sort of a like. They just met. Yeah, sure. So we rob Cyclops of any... I mean, because they're sticking to this 10 years gimmick, which I think has done them more harm than good, but whatever. So Don't disagree. Off-screen, Cyclops and Jean have gotten together. They don't necessarily have to show us them having, like, three films of meet-cute stuff, but I think... I don't think they do, like, a terrible job with their relationship. It's just I feel you robbed him of a lot of characterization (laughs) by having him just sort of... Which you're just telling us that, you know, he's her boyfriend, you know? Like, I don't think that works very well. I think Sheridan did a pretty decent, not Marsden level, obviously. <laughs> uh, this is the forever of James Marsden's damn podcast. Of course, you know, I really... of course. I think Sheridan does a pretty decent job of of doing the near impossible task of acting behind that thing. And I, I think his facial expressions convey just enough devotion and attachment to gene that it helps to compensate for the lack of time devoted to him it feels a little bit tell don't show to me a little bit a little bit i I mean they they skip a few steps they 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 know anybody watching this knows what's going on with them and i think they just felt like they could skip over it i think a much better better version of this movie exists i'm not denying of course And I think, you're, like you said, it should have been truly on the new class. Right. Because uh, as once again, they just can't fucking help themselves and they just make Storm nothing. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> they like, owe Alexander a ship an apology, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, there was that great story of when Ship got the role, she reached out to Halle Berry for advice and Halle Berry just no-sold her. And, <laughs> you know, what, what, what could have been more fitting? Yeah. Because they just treat... I think they arguably gave her less because Halle Berry was so insistent they gave her something. They always found some bullshit for her to do. She has them. And they She's just bad in them. Whereas Ship is a good actress who, like... Gets nothing. Yeah, it gets nothing. It gets minimal in Apocalypse and even less here. Uh-huh. And Nightcrawler, like, he's the only one of them that really gets, like, a through arc. But it's, I don't like it. It's like, I feel they watch, you know, they wait, they go back and look at Nightcrawler and X2. Like, that's a, a very memorable scene it's a great example of using limited scenes to give a character a satisfying arc throughout a movie but is Um, it what which one in x2 or 
Yeah, next two. Okay, sure. But I feel that basically someone looked at the beginning scene with Nightcrawler in X2 of him being this guy that uses teleportation for violence and has the little knife and everything and didn't pay attention to the rest of that where he is a tortured soul and he did all that against his will because for him to like be confronted with this soldier dude who's like oh yeah my kid used to like you and now he doesn't or whatever and then like when that soldier dies Nightcrawler just becomes a knife pervert and it's like is this really what we're going for Nightcrawler just loves to has a boner for murder now like <laughs> I, I didn't like that at all like you said like the it, it was very obviously rushed but more importantly I think the lack of like the lack of consequences on him on his soul afterwards is what is missing and once again a sure. better version of this movie is yeah. focusing just on the young kids and don't get me wrong I am, I am down we are, for lock, some... we are lockstep in that yeah I am down for some Nightcrawler like teleporty fighty stuff that's cool it's just when you don't I, I think give him enough before see... or after I don't care you can, in fact, if anything, you can, I mean, you can easily see how that would play out, which is that he refuses to do it all film long, which they just, they, they basically portray him as an unwilling participant in all this, or at least an unenthusiastic participant in all the violence. And then if something, if they actually created an arc for him, that could have been a very emotionally kind of tragic beat, which is that he's reduced to violence uh, as opposed to more of a celebratory one, which is, you know, kind of what they did. Yeah, so to me, like, I'm looking down this list of characters who appear in this movie, and almost every one of them, I don't care, it's bad, it's boring, it's it's retrodden ground. I will agree with you, Xavier is probably the best thing in the movie, like, in terms of McAvoy's acting and them finally fully confronting this idea that, hey, Xavier is a bad dude, and, like, he his methods have wrought all of this and you know that scene where beast is like just say you're wrong and he just stares him down it's like yeah cool glad you're doing this i just wish everything around this was better so that like i could talk about this more positively instead of going yeah that bit in the film is is good i guess it's just the rest is i don't like once again which is why i kept trying to redirect the debate is this movie is about the characterization of the four people that have been in the movie from the been in the series from the beginning. If you care about those characters, mm-hmm. I think you're going to care about this movie. But I if used to care about them, is my point. And I think they have but done you a worse... At, you stopped caring about them before this movie, though. They you have don't d- really like Apocalypse. No, and you don't. And you don't like... You don't really care about First Class. Over time, I actually think more of First Class. Like Okay, and you've also said Days of Future Past, you mostly just like the future stuff. I do kind of more like the bombastic like power combining future yeah. stuff like yeah i i will be so the first that's to my admit point, though, is that you have not you're not terribly invested in these people sure I, I, I will be the first to admit i have not been in love with fassbender as magneto and and lawrence as mystique and all that but i can still recognize when a film is like well written and well acted and the characterization works even if it's like I prefer these other people, or whatever. I think they have established that the characterization does make sense in here, it's just not what you want to focus on, and thus you did not care about it. It makes logical sense, it's just not... I don't think it's eloquently done in any way. Like, I think it's trodden ground to... What do you mean by eloquent? I don't think think they've, like, achieved, like, noteworthy characterization here. I think it's a lot of just trading off of old relationships, like I said. Like, they are taking characters that have appeared on screens for so long that audiences just know who they are, and they're just expecting you to care because you have done before. Like, 
every time you trot a relationship out and explore a dynamic between two people, I think you have to add to it. I don't think you can just... Well, and that, I, I think... But I just sort of strongly disagree with this. Because I I mean, I think it's almost low-key brilliant what they do with uh, with Charles specifically and how that manifests and how that... Not exactly the butterfly effect, but the, the consequences and how that affects everybody else given that he's been such a... He's forced... Him, not forced himself, but he's loomed so large in all these people's lives. It, it wasn't even obvious the first time I watched First Class, you know, almost a decade ago. But he was such an obnoxious, power-hungry person there in ways that he could not recognize. And the lack of recognition in himself coming back into play the way it did here, I think was really genuinely subtly done. Like, this is not... Like, there are flashbacks in this movie to things we've already seen before. There aren't constant references to things they've already seen before. This is done. It's based on, like, how a person evolves over time. And they don't actually take steps to evolve. Like to actually deal with their faults, they're going they're going to pass uh, manifest themselves again, and they manifest themselves terribly, tragically. But that is what nuanced characterization is. But it's... <laughs> and but that's my point. It's not. I don't think it's a question of good or bad. I think it's a question of why do do people care about these characters, and why did they fail to care about these characters? Why excuse me? Why did Fox make fail to make people care about these characters so bad? I don't think they are writing the characterization well over time. I think I think First Class does a really good job as a thing, and I think Days of Future Past did a better job. Apocalypse went off a fucking cliff, and I don't think this did anything really all that noteworthy. Is it better than Apocalypse? I think it is, yes. But I don't think it's, like, course-corrected or anything, and I think, I think there's been a notable downward trend, and... Oh, I don't think it's... I, it, put, put it this way. I, this would be a far more negative podcast for me if there was more Fox X-Men coming along the way with these cast of characters. <laughs> there is no question about that. To me. I, do, I feel everything has come... Just as X-Men as an overall franchise and the movies, everything was at the mm-hmm. altar of Wolverine's popu- popularity. I think this rebooted version of the timeline and universe, everything is sacrificed at the altar of we have Fassbender, McAvoy and Lawrence and I think it has hurt the franchise to just go out of your way like I understand you've got them under contract you want to use them, they're they're stars or whatever but they have just badly in my opinion focused on those three at the expense of quote unquote making new stars and telling new stories Like I don't want a Charles Xavier story anymore he's been in like 12 movies <laughs> like i don't care well, he's been in these movies i don't he has he was i mean like I, it was it'd be strong to say he was a strongly okay. characterized character okay let's just take his if you just take his big ones x-men one two and three but in terms of him having a genuine arc in those movies it's not it's more just like he's a fully okay logan where we say I, goodbye to patrick stewart that is an that is that should have been the end of Xavier as well in my opinion. I just I don't care. Like I've seen you do this for however many years, and like yeah, is it leaning even heavier into who Charles Xavier is okay, as a but, man? I mean, sure, seen, but but we've seen other studios do basically the same stories, the same arcs, and same characters doing the same beats for a very long time. So what what about like what? it with Fox? Like what? I mean, Robert Downey Jr. has been playing the tragic billionaire for ten movies. Like, what about that is working for you in the way that if Charles you go to if you go to IntoTheRealWorld.com, you can read my mm-hmm. essay about how Tony Stark is the best I know, but what character about, in Marvel. What about that character? What about 
I don't know, any pick any character from there works well, even though they're doing the same beats and playing and doing the same style over and over again. Well, and this isn't me, this isn't me coming for you. This is me okay. genuinely going like, oh, yeah, sure. what? Why did this not connect with people? Because they do develop those characters over time over on the other side of the but fence, these, as I, it were. Just in very painful detail, I've outlined how these characters have developed over time. Yeah, but in a, I think they've developed in a better way over on the other side of the fence. I think these ones... I, I, I'm it's, not, I'm, this isn't a specific Marvel versus MCU. Okay. Uh, I don't think they general. are developing their characters well in the Fox X-Men universe. I think they have gotten more haphazard and more rote over time, and I, I think it's... Even if this is an improvement on the last outing they had before this, in terms of the you know mainline X-Men movies, forget Deadpool, forget Logan, all that... It's it's too. I feel it's too little, too late. Personally, like even if Fox hadn't just been bought uh, by Marvel and everything, or oh, by Disney, I I wouldn't come out of this and be like, man, I am enthused about where X Men can go from here, because it's a definitive farewell to the people that you have handed, you know, that were in charge of the franchise. Essentially, like everything centered around this this trio, or if you want to be generous to Nicholas Holt, this quintet, of, uh, this quartet of actors. They're all gone now, probably. Like, Mystique's dead. And, like, from the end of that story with Charles and Eric, it's like, they're kind of done here. Because, I mean, you've got to go from there to a place of them being opposite sides in a war kind of thing. It's like, I mean, so we're going to do even more with them here. And, like, you fail to make me give a shit about any of the young people, except maybe Jean, who's flown off into space, so she can't just come back next movie, in my opinion. Like... So, uh, I mean, and that's fine. Would you be? Would you walk out of this movie? I, I didn't see this as... I saw this as the end. I saw it as the closing of four character stories after four films. Okay. I don't know whether that was... I mean, financially, it clearly was not the right thing to do. And I think I think that there's definitely... We could kind of transition to larger issues with Fox and the first class film series in general. Sure. I mean, I think these last two films have genuinely fallen into the trap of going film by film and not having a, at least somewhat of a bigger version that you don't have to be locked into, but you should have a at least a sense of what might be a better way to go. Because imagine if they had spent the third film, you know, pushing aside Mystique and Fassbender for a movie and really diving into the new generation. And then imagine what they could have done in a fourth film with 10 fully realized characters instead of four. And I think that lack of vision has just destroyed Fox time and time again with these films. And, you know, they're not, I mean, they're just going to, this is just going to be a tax write-off for Disney, I'm pretty sure. But uh, <laughs> They were know, considering but, not releasing it theatrically and just putting yeah, it straight um, to video and whatnot, which they may do with New Mutants next year. Yeah, I think, what's that, it's supposed to go straight to Hulu or something? Yeah, I think it is, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, outside of all that, I mean, the only reason why I care about all that because it affects what happens on the screen. <laughs> like, you know, like, I know, I don't really care how much money these corporations make on these movies, but if it's going to, it dictates what happens on screen. And they just have had no idea what they're doing from the start. And this is the, the finance, there was no perfect financial conclusion to X-Men on Fox and what happened to them here. All their sins for whatever, I mean, like, you and I disagree on the, the quality of the characterization of four characters, but largely speaking, the big picture of X-Men, they've had no idea what they're doing, and all their sins came to bear here. Yeah, and, you know, their history is one of doing teasers that don't go anywhere and just 
making changes that like contradict things we've seen like one movie ago and like you know you don't have to go the route of the deeply integrated universe and i think dc are actually making a very wise move to just kind of do movies but yeah but fox seem like they're trying to have it both ways where they do on the surface seem like they do give a shit about doing a connected universe they're just not doing it well i don't think there has been a you know, Kevin Feige's, like, secret war room with his 10-year plan up on a wall, I don't think an equivalent of that exists with X-Men, and each time they make one, they just make it up as they go along, is my oh, it's take. Yeah. And... I mean, and the thing is, even if that's not what's happening, that's what it feels like is happening on screen. It was clear that Fassbender and Raven needed a break after Days of Future Past. Naturally, yep. their stories just needed a break. Like, And that, that doesn't mean you never bring them back. They just... Their their stories needed a timeout. They yeah. they couldn't. You can't create something new if you just constantly recreate everything. You're just constantly renewing everything. Mm. And Apocalypse. I think both films paid for that dearly. Particularly, I mean, Apocalypse within its own bubble of a film, which I just don't. Which was just creatively had nothing interesting to do and did not feel different in any way. Uh, and this one, I think, is paying for the consequences of that more than anything else. Sure. I made my piece that uh, we would fail on our mission and rewriting the history of X-Men and making people care about them. <laughs> um, so I, I I came into Dark Phoenix, and I mean, excuse me, months ago, assuming mm-hmm. no one's going to care about it, it's going to do badly, and it's probably not going to be very good. Yep. That was kind of that was kind of what I've been thinking for months, and I yep. just I wasn't even invested in the result. It was as it was as lame duck as a blockbuster has been in quite a long time. Yeah, and I don't think and anyone if, would argue the point that it didn't trailer well. Like you didn't look at those. Well, I don't know if you watched. It, it's trailers, a lo- it's a lo- it's a I didn't, but it's a loser move to reveal a death in a trailer. It's sh- just it's like it's like suspending your campaign. It's like nominating a vice. It's like. Uh, it's like if Joe Biden, or not Joe Biden, uh, it's like when Ted Cruz gave himself a VP candidate before he had won the primary. It's a loser move. It's just a loser move. It, it craves a desperation. And honestly, from that moment on, knew it was dead. It was dead on arrival. It was dead on arrival the moment they put that in. It reeked of being a loser, desperate film. But once again, they've had, never had any idea how to market these movies. And I think at the end of the day, none of that even really mattered at this point, because as is evident, with you, some people just don't care about these characters. And they, they chose to use this last film, or Kinberg chose to use this last film, although who knows if... I mean, did they... When they when Apocalypse ended, I mean, they were already working on this, did they know Fox was selling at that point? Um, I would imagine when they first started planning it, they didn't. But I mean, who knows how long these talks go on before they actually happen. But ostensibly, they were just plotting to make the next X-Men yeah. movie. Which is wild to me about this movie, and again... What's wild to me about that connected to it is that it feels like them going to the well again as opposed to them closing the loop. It, to me, it works better as a final film than it does, as certainly than as a continuation. And this was a continuation. I I would probably like the film as much, but I would not be enthusiastic about anything. I'd be like, okay, enough already. Yeah. But this is it's it's over. There's nothing there's nothing <laughs> to be there's there's no ominous to be there's nothing ominous about it because it's it was over already. Uh, and it was kind of just shocking to me that uh, it delivered on that sense. But the response to it, I had come to terms with long before. There was, I don't think there was, I don't know what this film had to do yeah. to get a good response from people, but the margin of error was impossibly small from it for the get-go. And I think, again, it's because the movie chose to rely on 
characterization on characters people didn't care about, which honestly, I make sense to me. If you don't care about the people in this movie, there's nothing in this movie for you. Yeah. I mean, like, to me, Central, the Central Park scene was very similar in its suddenness and its recklessness to the, uh, the, the loot train battle. I'm just like, everyone stay safe. Why, why is this happening right now? Why are people on both sides that I care about, like, fighting each other? Everyone just stay safe. Don't die, everyone. But if you don't care about the people, you're not going to feel that way. As objectively as I could, attempted to view this, and I, to me, it didn't work, and I don't think they executed their characterization within this movie in a bubble all that well. If you were, if and you were raised, usual, Matt is just tragically wrong, but it's okay, everyone. <laughs> uh, I mean, what I think though is, I think that what I'm happy about this discussion is that we got to the core issue of what this movie was doing. Yeah, I mean, and then what, and then whether or not it did it well or not, which I think. It's, I'm assuming this conversation is happening nowhere else. <laughs> I, I said it in this recording, and I, I had it written down before we started. If the emotional beats work for you, it's a completely different story. And, like, you know, it's almost... We're not going to argue each other to, like, the other side of the fence. It just it does or it doesn't work for you, and it didn't for me, and it did for you. And, like, you know, fair enough. I think we all owe X-Men as a franchise a great deal of gratitude. Like, those early movies are incredibly important to the concept of the big-budget superhero movie, and if the legacy ends up being that, like, oh, they make shitty movies, but now they're with Marvel, who are going to fix it all? It's like, that's not fair. Like, they did start out making bangers, and, like, if you take all the movies and rank them as good or bad, there are more good ones than bad ones, I think. And, you know, Logan is fucking great. And all of that is just the, the mainline, ongoing, this is our team of mutants that do superhero shit. I think they have gotten l- left well behind by other studios in terms of how they do that. And they probably, as you say, should just not attempt to do it and make different kinds of movies, make things like Logan that are more like exploring character relationships relationships and stuff and just completely divorce yourself of this team of six people are going to save the world but they don't do that and it it is in this movie that it's you know these costumed people trying to stop a potential world-ending threat and uh, uh, before we we can't let this go what the fuck happened with the costumes (laughs) what i mean i don't even i saw them and I was like, that. I mean, I saw them described months ago as looking like pajamas, and I couldn't get that out of my head about the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. And it made me think, well, maybe they just didn't get them right in the first one. They tried something new. The costumes were sick in the last movie. Mm. Like, I just looked them back up. They weren't good. Yeah, that scene at the end of Apocalypse with those five kids suit, suited up. Yeah. This is what I'm talking I'm like, about. I I'm left that, in. and I'm I was like, in. cool, give me a movie with these guys. And I didn't have that this time. Would, um, would be my damning assessment of this movie. Which I think, but, again, makes sense. Because okay. that was the movie they teased, and they, they've never once done it. Which is still mind-blowing to me. Yeah. They've yeah. still just never done an X-Men movie. Yep. Um, and yeah. I think there would have been a ton of goodwill with the last one if they did that. And I think, well, it wouldn't have saved Fox Studio, but the reaction to this <laughs> one would be much different, at least. Yeah. There you go. We uh, are we still friends? I I'm excited by this conversation. Okay, good. I I don't know how good of a podcast episode it's gonna be, but <laughs> I because I really think there's rarely a time where we come in with two very divergent films. I was gonna say it never happens. It's either I like and, something that you're able to objectively poke holes into until I'm like, yeah, you're right, or we both hate or both love it. It's been very rare that you are 
on a hill and I'm coming at you about something. <laughs> and what, well, to me, what I liked is that we kind of like, we forced ourselves to get to the actual heart of it, which is that like, <laughs> at the end of the day, whether or not I like an action scene and you don't, doesn't matter. But yeah. why do we, why did we care versus why did you not, why did I care when you didn't care sure. was actually the heart of it and made for, I think, better analysis. Well, there you go. So we will be back, I guess, for Legion Series 3, the the end of Legion. and I got it. This is the most valuable thing about our website is the Legion recap, so I have a clue what's happening when the new season starts. I know, I know, and I always watch. I always rewatch the whole thing right before. We oh, I can't do and, it. I can't yeah. do it. <laughs> if that New Mutants movie comes out, we'll do it. And I guess when Marvel eventually make an X Men movie, will will it still be our excellent adventure? Or I mean, I mean that's the plan. Yeah, I, yeah but I it, may, it may be a few years, so it could be that uh, our next episode, episode eighteen, Legion series three, it could be the end of Excellent Adventures for a while. Yeah, so, I, I'm not anticipating anything for quite a long time. Yeah, well, you know, and this, um, this is the podcast that we started. This website, well, you know, you had the website already, but in terms of the podcasting side of it, this... the website truly didn't start until you came aboard. Now, come on, now, I'm being serious. Okay. <laughs>